Hello, and welcome to the Two Scaredy Cats podcast, where we talk about all things strange, unusual, and paranormal. We're your hostess with the mostess. I'm Stacy, and Kara's not here this week because she just got married and she is on her honeymoon. So it's just me this week. I'm sorry. I have a great episode lined up for us today. We are going to be talking about cannibalism and cannibals. So why don't you sit back in your chair and relax? First off, though, I wanted to say hi to everybody and thank you for hanging out with us today on our podcast here and say welcome to any new people that might be joining us from wherever you're joining us from. So today's story is called, is all about Sawney Beam and he was the cannibal of Scotland. So Swanee Bean and his family of cannibals was a 48 member clan and they were a product uh, this was a product of incest and inbreeding within this family during the 16th century in Scotland. This clan was responsible for murdering and eating more than 1000 people. So that's pretty crazy that these 48 people managed to eat over a thousand people. So the story goes that Alexander Swanee Bean, as he was known, lived in a cave between Gervan and Ballantrae with his 40 plus member clan who murdered and cannibalized more than 1000 victims. So Bean moved into this cave with his girlfriend named Black Agnes Douglas after leaving his home. He lived with his um, dad and he got tired of living there. So he left and decided he was going to go live um, on his own. So neither one of these two had a, a real job or any type of income coming in. So they decided they figured out that it was easier for them to ambush travelers on the highway and lure them back to their cave where they would rob and then kill them. So they would they did this for many years. But soon they realized that they they had this big pile of bodies and their concern was that somebody was going to find them out. So what they had to do then is they needed to get rid of these bodies to avoid being caught. So then they decided that they were going to start eating the flesh off their victims and they would pickle the leftovers and then whatever was left after that, all the bones in that were discarded and um, thrown into the ocean. But occasionally, because of storms or currents or whatever was going on, uh, the remains that they had thrown out into the ocean would war- would wash up on uh, nearby beaches. And people were, you know, talking about this and wondering, you know, what why are all these bones washing up and what's happening to the people that these um, bones belong to? So Bean and his wife and his family... They had this cave that they hid out um, in, and it was a 590-foot deep cave. And the entrance of it would get blocked by water during high tide, which helped them avoid detection from the um, detection from the police in that for over 25 years. So during this time, the couple gave birth to eight sons and six daughters. And these, their children helped produce 14 granddaughters and 18 grandsons. And this all happened through incest. So over the years, the clan would go out at night and carry out ambushes to rob and murder individuals um, when they were 
would bring back and they would bring back the corpses when they were done to the cave and then in the cave they would dismember them and eat the victims that they had killed now locals thought that wild animals were the ones that were responsible for all these killings going on and all these bones showing up um on the beaches and that from like you know animal attacks and stuff but one of their last robberies was the one that ended up doing them in so what happened was um on this particular night, they tried to ambush a husband and wife who were traveling um, on horseback along the coast. So they attacked the couple and they managed to kill the wife, but the husband uh, defended himself and managed to get away. So the husband went and informed the local magistrate about what had happened to him and his wife and, uh, you know, how he had gotten attacked. So... King James IV organized a search party then of over 400 men and a couple of bloodhounds to go try and find the people that did this to um, this gentleman and his wife. So there's this huge search party. They're looking all over trying to find Bean and his family. They end up finding them in the cave with the clan inside. And they also find all the dismembered corpses that they had been uh, killing over the years. So the clan was captured, and they were taken in chains to um, a place called the Tollbooth Jail in Edinburgh. And then soon after they were all captured, all 48 of them were executed without any type of trial. Now, during this time, um, Scotland was very big, uh, their court system, and they believed that everybody deserved a fair trial, and, you know, a person was innocent until proven guilty. But... With as brutal as the killings were in this particular case and the many people that they had dismembered and eaten and all that, they decided that uh, they were to be executed without a trial. They deemed these, these people undeserving of one due to their heinous crimes. And that's kind of what happened to um, Bean and his family. Now, in Scotland, uh, a lot of times families and parents especially will use this, uh, the story of Bean and his family to try to steer their children away from a life of crime or, you know, growing up and being bad and doing, uh, you know, monstrous things to people. So in my research for trying to find, um, you know, a topic for today, and I somehow got down this road of cannibalism, um, I came across a couple of um, cases, not your normal high-profile ones that we hear about all the time, like, you know, Ed Gain, who's really popular, um, you know, very popular story. They've made many movies off of him and the horrendous things that he did to his victims. And Jeffrey Dahmer, I mean, Netflix just did that whole... Um, show on him they had that whole show on him which was really good actually um you know showing how you know growing how his growing up and how he came to be um the person that he did but anyway while i was looking all that information up i came across two more cannibalism cases that i thought were really interesting and they're they're pretty current they were you know they happened in the 2000s here and I had never heard of them, and they were interesting, just the way they came about and um, how they, you know, searched out their victims and stuff. 
So I wanted to share these um, with you, our listeners, these stories. So the first one is called The Master Butcher. And this is about a gentleman by the name of Armin Muiz. And the story is out of Germany. So the story goes that Armin found his victim, Bernard um, Wergen Brandes, over the internet. Now, Brandes was this IT manager, and he had posted an advertisement online. I don't know whether he was joking or if he was dead serious. But what he posted online was that he wanted someone to obliterate his life and leave no trace. Now, our friend um, Armin took this to mean that he wanted somebody to kill him. So um, he reached out to uh, Brandes and he ended up taking a, uh, a Brandes ends up taking a train to meet Muez in uh, a, t- a Western town in uh, Germany of Rottenberger in March of 2001. And there, the cannibal videotapes himself severing Brandis's penis with a knife and feeding it to both of them. Now, while he's doing this, you know, feeding this to um, him and his victim, his victim ends up passing out because of how much blood he was losing at this time. So while he's passed out with the recorder still rolling, he um laid uh the, he laid uh Brendan on the bench, kisses him on the lips, and then plunges a knife into his throat. He then carries him um and hangs him on a metal hook and froze thirty kilograms of his flesh into parcels and later ate some of it with uh, ate some of his flesh with cabbage and potatoes. Uh, I don't know about you, but that is like really disturbing. I, I don't under, you know, I don't even know what to say, but pe- some people just are. Yeah. So that was our first story. Our second story um, is about a um, woman. Her name was Tamara um, Samsonova and she's known as the granny ripper. So she was suspected of eating her victims organs and especially loved the lungs. So, um, They happened to discover her when the St. Petersburg police found a headless body of a lady by the name of Valentina Yolova near a pond. Now, as it turns out, this um, lady named Valentina was one of um, the many victims of Tamara and... um, Tamara was actually caught on closed circuit TV, removing the victim's body in a black bag and taking the body to the pond. So they actually caught her on video, you know, taking her, this body without its head to this pond. So uh, the story or what later came out when they were interviewing, um, Tamara was that the victim, uh, Mrs. Miss Yulon, Yulanova, had been drugged by her and then was cut into pieces with a hacksaw. So she drugged her and then she was cutting her up with a hacksaw. I can only imagine how bad that must have been. 
Um, interestingly enough, though, that um, after they caught Tamara for Yulanova's murder, they um, ended up finding that she was involved with a murder spree that had at least she had at least 11 other victims that had taken place over two decades. So when they were interviewing her and asking her, you know, well, why did you do this? And, you know, you know, how did you find these people or what was your reasoning behind this? She just said that she had been uh, wanting to eat somebody for so many years. And uh, that was basically her whole reasoning for why she did what she did. She just had this overwhelming urge to eat someone. So when they, st- and, and she also had diaries that she had written about, um, all the, all of the victims that she had. And she went into great detail about and described the way that she, you know, cut them or how she first, you know, killed them and then how she would cut them up and, you know, how she dissected them, all that. And, um, so when the police went to search, uh, Tamara's apartment or flat I mean they found um diaries that were very revealing about you know how she and how she went into great details about each murder but they also found the knife that she had used to um cut up her victims and they found some blood smeared in the bathroom which they think is where she did a lot of the dismemberment for um some of her victims Uh, People think that her husband, who she reported missing in 2005, was one of her victims. Um, To this day, he has never been found. They don't know um, what happened to him. She, like I said, she reported him missing and nobody has seen him since. But a lot of people basically speculate that she ended up killing him and he was one of her victims. But she was really interesting in that she kept a, a diary in great detail of, you know, each victim. And she went into details about, you know, them and their um, lifestyles and stuff like that. And then she would talk about, you know, the different ways that she prepared them after she had cut them and taken out their, you know, what she made with their organs that she removed and stuff like that and so she just like had all this information that they were able to use against her so that she could end up going to jail for her crimes but anyway yeah so that's basically all i have today uh like i said it's just all about cannibalism and how you know people you know decide to eat other people um and just, you know, what goes on? Why? Why do people feel like they need to eat a person? You know, I don't understand. I guess we never really will. A lot of times these people have a lot of things that happen in their life that trigger this in them, I guess. I don't know. Um, but as I said, Kara is on her. She got married last Saturday. It was a very lovely day. The ceremony was wonderful. The venue was nice. Everything turned out really great. We got to go over to a park that was nearby the church that we, um, the church venue was. And uh, we took pictures over there. It was a little chilly, but it was still, you know, nice and sunny. The weather was fine. 
And the venue where she got married, though, was pretty cool. It was an old, it's a Gothic revival um, church, actually, that they had, um, was originally built down the street about three or four blocks. And they ended up um, deciding to move it. So they basically put the whole thing on a, um, on like a, a trailer or a buggy or whatever, and they, or a truck, and they drove it up the road to the new location and they ended up actually moving the foundation that had originally set on uh brick by brick or stone by stone to put it in so it stayed with the original church there's gorgeous stained glass windows in there that are original um by a couple of artists from um the cincinnati uh, the state of ohio uh, that was really cool. Um, the, the stained glass windows are gorgeous. Like I said, the church has been around since the 1800s. It was a German and um, Welsh, I'm going to say. It was a German and Welsh church. So they had two different um, two different uh, groups of people that would meet there. So they would take turns. Like, you know, one would have one day and one would have the other. And they had two completely different pastors for the church. And, um, you know, all these different... Uh, people that you would need for you know the church so that was really neat but now it's just a venue that anybody can rent it's uh non-denominational you know um very nice very neat place and everything went really well like i said kara's on her honeymoon i promise she'll be back um in two weeks for our next episode um nothing else is really going on just trying to recover from the wedding and everything leading up to the wedding and all the craziness that ensued. Uh, so I guess we will be back in uh, two weeks with another exciting new episode of the two scaredy cats podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to review, leave a review because that is how we get discovered. Also, don't forget to like, and follow us on um, Instagram when you can uh, find out about uh, the shenanigans and other things that are going on in our lives. And I guess that's it. So, remember, curiosity didn't kill these two scaredy cats.